Welcome to the Sci-Fi Reading Series Podcast. I'm science fiction author Kate Sheeran-Swed, and every week I read two chapters from one of my books. This is season one, and I'm reading from Chaos Zone, the first book in the Parse Galaxy space opera series. Make sure to scroll on back to the first episode in the season if you need to get caught up. Stick around after the chapters for exclusive behind-the-scenes commentary. Let's get on with this week's episode. Chapter 5 Sloane's presence on the flight deck wasn't strictly necessary at the best of times. In fact, she got the distinct impression that Hilda preferred her absence. Uncle Vin might have been Moneymaker's captain, but Sloane was more like its steward. Still, she found it was best not to hide out when they were under attack, so she flopped into the co-pilot's seat beside Hilda and strapped in, squinting out the viewport to get a look at their new enemies. She hated to admit it, but Bro was right. The ships were beautiful. Elegant, even, with delicately curved noses and wings tucked into the sides of their bodies, like the translucent beauties you might see on a dragonfly. She wouldn't have expected a criminal org to put such an emphasis on aesthetics. Pretty or not, though, the ships looked too small to be responsible for Moneymaker's insistent shaking. As she watched, a plasma round blasted out of the closest ship to shower Moneymaker's protective force field, sending the shield integrity needles diving toward zero. "'How are those ships hurting our shields?' she asked. "'Our shields suck, for starters,' Hilda said. "'I said that!' Bro sounded far too pleased to have gotten something right. If Sloane were piloting the enemy ship, she'd have saved the plasma blast for after she'd taken the shields out. On a ship with fully functioning shields, those hits would result in negligible damage. Either those Fox Clan thugs knew Moneymaker was in tough shape, or they didn't have anything more serious to blast the ship. A year ago, she'd been trying to decide between a career in nano-healing or gene therapy, and now here she was, analyzing the battle tactics of a criminal cartel. It was more than a bit alarming. But it was what it was. Sloane leaned over the dash and opened the comms, choosing the widest channel she could. "'What are you doing?' Hilda asked. "'Stop touching my things!' Sloane ignored her. "'Hey, Fox Clan, stop shooting at us and we might be open to making a deal!' Hilda's braid thumped against the back of her chair. She'd flung it over to keep it out of the way as she shook her head. "'No dice, Sloane. They'll kill him!' Sloane muted the comm. "'Just find us a place to land!' On a random Aju asteroid? Find a moon, whatever. What moon? There's no planet. Just do it. Hilda cursed under her breath. At least Sloane thought she cursed. She said the words in some language Sloane didn't recognize, but she tilted the ship away from the asteroid and raced away from it at top speed. Or rather, at the top speed that Moneymaker was probably capable of at the moment. The squealing sound that ground out from somewhere under her feet suggested that the pilot might be pushing a little too far, but Sloane wasn't about to complain. Sloane's stomach flipped as Hilda dipped them around another pocket of space rocks. She switched the comm back on. Hello? There was a beat of static during which the plasma round seemed to slow, though that might have been her imagination. Hand over the hacker, a raspy voice said. He even sounded villainous. Did they take classes on how to make their voices threatening? Sloane leaned over the dash. At least he was talking to her. That was something. How much are you offering? Your life, and you'll be lucky to have that much. Prepare to be boarded. 
Sloane, Hilda hissed, but Sloane held up a hand. Hilda might not think Sloane was in charge here, but she was, and that meant handling bad guys when they surfaced, which happened a lot more often than she'd have guessed before she'd set out to find her uncle. "'My life's not worth as much as a Federation's reward for this bounty,' Sloane said. "'Final offer?' In answer, the Fox Clan ships blasted out a triple burst of plasma like a coordinated spitting match. Moneymaker's shield stuttered, and Hilda hit a button that sent laser fire plummeting out of the ship's turrets. It burst against the Fox Clan's intact shields like fireworks. "'We're low on ammo,' Hilda said. "'We're low on everything.' Sloane stabbed the nav screen on the dashboard, hoping Hilda was too busy to slap her hands away. Here, Olten Moon. What's it a moon of? Whatever planet used to be made of those asteroids? The bone system was nothing, if not consistent. How long ago the planet had been destroyed, she didn't know. Long ago, long enough for a city to infest shard surface, a couple decades maybe? The rest of the galaxy had been sidestepping this system for more than a century, and its history was well-shrouded, for good reason, clearly. Hilda dodged around rocks, using them as a barrier against the plasma. Sloane didn't know where those sleek little ships hid so much ammo, but Hilda was smart to run out the clock, get them to keep shooting. Pebbles spattered against the shields, the viewport clouded with dust as Moneymaker spun its way toward the moon that the navscreen claimed still existed. She wasn't sure what they'd do if it didn't, only that tossing Brighton out of a window wasn't an option. "'What's your plan after landing on this moon?' Hilda asked. Sloane licked her lips. "'Hide?' "'That,' Bro said, "'is a terrible plan.' "'It's not terrible. It's just underdeveloped. There.' Sloane pointed out of the viewport, though Hilda's eyes were locked on the dash screens. "'Drop into Atmo there.' Hilda pulled the ship toward Olten Moon, former moon, Sloane supposed. She didn't know what the sphere of rock would be called now, officially, and she studied the surface. Or she attempted to, clouds of mist roiled up from the ground, obscuring the view. She didn't know much about surface dynamics or atmosphere management. Still, she would have expected whatever had blasted Olten Moon's planet apart to strip its atmosphere. But it either hadn't done that, or the atmosphere had had time to be redeveloped, with intervention, she assumed. The mist was thick, but the instruments detected breathable air. What was hiding down there? Undeterred by Moneymaker's approach on Olten, the Fox Clan ships followed her into the atmosphere. Two of them flanked Moneymaker, unfurling their wings as the air thickened. They really were pretty ships. Drop lower. We can lose them in the mist, Sloane said. Objection, Bro said. My data informs me that Olten Moon's surface features an average temperature well below freezing. And as I've just found new life on Moneymaker, I would object to freezing to death now. Nav says there's a settlement there, Sloane says. How bad can it be? Hilda punched a sequence of buttons on the dash, and Moneymaker started to descend. She might not like Sloane's idea, but at least she was willing to go with it. Nav says there are buildings there, not the same as a settlement. I do not know who Nav is, Bro replied, but his data doesn't sound complete. The navigation system, Sloane said, and it isn't. To the right, the dragonfly-winged ship spun its plasma guns so that Sloane was looking right down the barrel. The ship to the left did the same. Hilda, she said, drop. The moneymaker dropped, but not quickly enough. The blasts shook the hull from both sides, sending alarm sirens ringing throughout the ship. The shield needles dropped below zero, and Sloane thought she heard Bro sob. That thing definitely needed to be recalibrated if they survived this. One more hit and they'll have us, Hilda said. There's nothing I can do. We're limping too hard. 
The Fox Clan guns were primed, their ships ready to shoot. Sloane shut her eyes. Nothing happened. The ship dropped again to the tune of Hilda's stream of curses, leaving Sloane's stomach behind. She swallowed hard, hating space travel more than ever, then opened her eyes. The Fox Clan ships were gone. In their place were a dozen fleet-class cube ships, the kind that could break away from a larger vessel and fly independently or reform into new shapes. At least that was what Uncle Vin's information said. She was going to be really annoyed if the commander had just saved her ass. The fleet doesn't have boots on the ground in the bone system, Hilda said. Sloane snorted, clearly we don't know all. She tapped the comm system. Thanks for the assist, guys. Any chance you've got a base down there? Our ship's in bad shape. The response came so quickly that it had to be from an onboard android or AI. You are not authorized to land. The voice was deep-toned, smooth, and sure. Turn back. On the fleet's orders? Sloane asked. Abort your attempt to land, or we will be forced to open fire. Why bother letting us live this long? Hilda muttered. The question sounded rhetorical, but the smooth voice responded. Those ships had criminal idents. They opened fire on a civilian vessel, and we retaliated. Now abort your attempt to land, or we will be forced to open fire. Good enough for me. Hilda flipped a switch, and Moneymaker headed back up into the black, rattling hard as it left Olten Moon to shrink into the distance behind them. The fleet ships maintained their formation, just above the cloud cover, watching. Sloane had no doubt they'd intercept any attempt to land. She sat back in her seat, surprised to note that her hands were shaking. She dragged her fingers through her hair, forced a shaky breath into her lungs. Space battles made her feel helpless. It was hard to pull a trick with magnets when you had cannons on your tail. Impossible to pull a con. Well, Bro said, interrupting the silence, that was lucky. Lucky and strange. She opened her flip tab as much for something to do as anything else and started searching. Hilda was right. The fleet didn't have any bases in the bone system. At least, none that they advertised. They pretended to be so transparent, so upright with their intentions, but Uncle Vin had believed the fleet had nefarious plans for the galaxy. He'd been sure they wanted to take it over and rule as a central authority, and he wasn't the only one. His suspicions, though, might have been the reason he'd disappeared. Had he found a hidden fleet base like the one on Olten Moon? Had he tried to interfere? What do we do now? Hilda said. Moneymaker's even more damaged than it was before. We have no shields and almost no ammo. We're also running at 47% speed capacity, Bro added cheerfully. Sloane had a feeling that was the least of the damage. At this point, the poor ship had more broken parts than working ones. They had no onboard mechanic, and her own knowledge was desperately poor. She was okay with tech, if not great, but if it didn't involve nano-healing, then she mostly floundered in the dark. They needed to get to a place with a reputable service station, one that could run a full diagnostic and complete a full repair. How in the galaxy they were going to afford that... But it was the same old problem, the same issue they'd been dealing with since Uncle Vin had disappeared, ditching his ship and his crew and leaving Sloane to deal with them. Every time she took a step forward, the galaxy threw her three steps back. Maybe she was going to have to take a dishwashing gig after all. Good news, Bro said. I have located an illegal bounty posting in the vicinity. Sloane exchanged a glance with Hilda, whose eyebrows ticked so high they nearly brushed her gray hairline. You found... How? 
I hacked the Fox Clan's database while they attacked us, as Brighton suggested. I gained access before they exploded. Sloan had a feeling that was not the kind of criminal organization contact Brighton had meant. Though, hadn't he said he was in trouble with Fox Clan for hacking their networks? Maybe that was what he'd meant. Okay, Sloan said, that's not great. Oopsie, bro said. The AI sounded the way a dog looked after chewing its owner's best slippers. Hilda, though, looked thoughtful. Actually, she said it might work. Sloan opened her mouth, then closed it. Hilda shrugged. We are still going after Vin, right? Sloan wanted to ask how it could even be a question. But Uncle Vin had disappeared months ago, and it felt like she'd been spinning her wheels ever since. Trying to get money so she could traipse around the galaxy in search of him, when she had none of his contacts, none of his underworld know-how. She had no money to pay for information or set a bounty, and was constantly getting sucked into one disastrous situation after another. They'd been to another galaxy and back, and they were no further along than they'd been at the start. Of course we are, Sloan said. Hilda swiveled her seat to face Sloan, palms pressed into her knees. If she was shaken from the battle, she didn't show it. No more side quests. No more gallivanting. We get the tokens to fix the ship so we can reach the Federation. Then we turn Brighton in so we can get more money and we use that to find Vincent. That's the plan. Hilda nodded, businesslike. Then we take whatever bounty bro found for us. We get the tokens and we move forward. You are ready to move forward. Sometimes it felt like there were a hundred reasons not to. But the thought that popped into her mind right now was one that hadn't occurred to her, that she hadn't even known she was afraid to face. Maybe not until those fleet ships had popped up out of Olten Moon's mist, reminding her that her uncle had stepped into a political minefield when he'd had her lift fleet intelligence out from under the commander's nose last year, and that his theories about the fleet's intentions might be very, very dangerous. On a subconscious level, it must have occurred to her, but she'd never let herself think the words. Now that they'd formed, though, they stuck in her mind like a bad dream. What if Uncle Ben was dead? But she couldn't say that. Hilda was relying on her, and so was Alex. Even Bro was relying on her now. Throat dry, she nodded, trying to look as certain as she knew she ought to feel. Yes, ready. Hilda turned back to the dash. Set the coordinates, bro. Let's chase down an illegal bounty. Chapter 6 Designed to house soldiers for months and sometimes years at a stretch, Saber's amenities included extensive training facilities, gymnasiums, and recreation rooms, which Logger had convinced Gareth he needed to visit too. But now that he was here, lobbing a Z-ball back and forth with a long, droplet-shaped paddle, he felt like he should be doing something else, and not just because Logger had ratcheted the arena gravity up to 1.5, which made for a particularly rigorous workout. It didn't matter how hard he ran or how much he sweated, the sound of Osmond Clay's confident chuckle was still ringing in Gareth's ears, and he could see the hesitant expressions of the rest of the commission when he closed his eyes. He should be touching base with commission allies right now, or sorting through the pile of reports that was waiting for him on his personal feed. He should follow up with that diplomatic situation on Izo, too. And hadn't Logger mentioned something about another possible altercation? Logger cracked his paddle into the ball, swinging hard enough to send the thing into a perfect spiral toward the ceiling. The lieutenant pumped his fist, already celebrating his victory, but Gareth ran for the ball, paddle extended. 
The ball was falling too fast, but he pushed hard against the increased gravity, lurching into a dive at the last minute so he could hit the ball back to Lager. Startled, Lager drove dough for it, but it was too late. The ball sailed past his paddle and bounced back into the wall behind him, where it fell to the floor with a rolling thump. "'Good one, boss!' Lager was grinning, his hairline damp with sweat. He stopped to grab his water bottle from the bench. When Gareth picked himself up off the floor, he found he was grinning, too. He pointed his paddle at Lager. "'Don't get complacent just because you got off one decent shot.' "'Not everyone's willing to dig their chin into the floor to score a point, sir.' That's the problem, Lieutenant. That's the problem. Gareth let his eyes catch on the digital clock above the door, but I really should be getting back to work, or at least taking my turn in target practice. Logger gave his paddle a practice whoosh. That's a solid no. Everyone on this ship takes rec time except for you. Ten minutes won't cut it. Gareth grabbed his own water bottle from the bench and took a beat to drink. I'm not everyone on the ship. I'm the commander. And your soldiers should see that you use your rec time so they feel comfortable using theirs. That was a fair point. If Gareth heard one of his soldiers had been training through their rec time, he'd be meeting with that person to find out why. I dislike it when you're right, Lieutenant. Logger bent to retrieve the ball, then tossed it up so he could give it an arching serve. Speaking of rec time, Jim and I are planning a jaunt to one of the Halloran Moon resorts next time leave rolls around. You should come. Gareth sidestepped, intercepted the shot, and smacked the, the ball back toward the lieutenant. The impact against the paddle reverberated through his wrist and he loosened his hold. I think Jim might resent a third-wheel logger, especially one who happens to be your boss. So bring a date. It's going to be a party. And I'm so good at parties. Gareth avoided them, unless it was absolutely necessary, unless it was a fleet function or a fundraiser he couldn't avoid. The fleet needed a fair amount of financial support to continue operating. He stayed well away. "'You ever talk to Bree?' Logger asked. The ball struck Gareth in the shoulder and dropped to the floor as he missed a step. At least he caught himself before he face-planted. He hadn't spoken to his ex fiance since she'd stomped out of his life, what was it, three years ago now? Bree had woken him in the dead of night, demanding a shuttle to take her away from Sabre, and that had been that. No calls, no messages, no nothing. He hadn't even run into her in passing, though she lived near his office on Fane, or she had. Gareth had known that Bree wasn't the kind of woman who wanted to live on the move. To be fair, most people weren't. Gareth might have grown up on fleet frigates, but Bree hadn't wanted to live that way. They'd been trying to work out a solution, some kind of compromise, though now he wasn't even sure what that would have been. Gareth couldn't bring himself to use his rec time unless Logger pushed him into it, and he'd used vacation leave only once, when he'd lost his father. Bree had seen that, and she'd gone running. He couldn't blame her. Still, her leaving had felt sudden. Most people had the sense not to bring her up, if they even remembered she existed. Gareth served the ball back to the lieutenant, cracking it a bit harder than was strictly necessary for a decent serve. Why do you ask? Only way to score on you, boss. Logger grinned as he hit the ball back to Gareth. I'm just making conversation. That's what rec time is for. Bonding. I see. They passed the ball back and forth for a few minutes, mercifully dropping the conversation so they could push harder against the extra heavy grav settings. The clap and thunk of the ball, the squeak of their shoes against the floor. It was good as long as no one tried to bond with him. Finally, Gareth hit the ball hard enough to bounce it against the ceiling, and Logger's answering slide wasn't enough to keep the volley going. 
He stood, brushing off his hands, and trotted over to retrieve the ball. That's the game, he said. I better hit the showers if I'm going to make my shift in thirty. Gareth nodded. Good game, Lieutenant. Let's do it again. Logger slung his duffel over his shoulder and took a long draw of water, then popped the bottle into a side pocket. Look, just come on the vacation. Maybe you could get that bounty hunter to join us, you know? What's her name? Sloan Tarnish would probably show up on his vacation with or without an invitation just to vex him. You know her name, Gareth said. If Logger kept smiling like that, his face was going to split down the middle. Yes, yes, I do. The man was an absolute menace. Yes, well, I'd love to see what the media would say about that trip. He could just picture the feeds and their glee. The guesses they'd make, the conspiracies they'd whip up, not that he cared much about what the feeds reported, but still. Logger tipped his head to the side, raising an eyebrow. And I'd love to know why that was your first response instead of, why the hell would I bring a bloody bounty hunter on a romantic vacation, lieutenant? Gareth frowned. I don't sound like that. Logger winked. Of course not. Just think about it, boss, with or without the bounty hunter. We'd love to have you. Gareth clapped Logger on the shoulder, then held the door open for him. Thanks, Lieutenant, but I'll have to pass. Who would I leave in charge if not you? Logger sighed, and thus the best of plans die. I'll see you around, boss. As the lieutenant disappeared down the corridor, Gareth couldn't help wondering what he would do with a vacation if he ever took one. He certainly got his fill of adventure commanding the fleet, and if he were honest, Logger's resort plan would probably bore him to tears after the first day. A camping trip, perhaps. He'd always thought it might be nice to learn how to fish. Gareth hung his racket on the wall and left the wreck space. Vacations were all well and good, but it would be no doubt years before he actually took one. There was always more work to do. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed the reading. I am heading into the commentary section now, and I just wanted to slip in a couple of small news details. Um, the first thing is just that I have set up a pre-launch page for my next Kickstarter campaign, and it's directly relevant to you because it's going to be a special edition omnibus of the first three books in the Parse Galaxy um, uh, universe series. And so it is. It, it starts. It has Chaos Zone, Bounty War, and Trader Game. And see how small this is? I mean, it's a tiny paperback. I have never actually made a hardcover before. Um, and so I'm going to do a hardcover edition. You'll hear more about it, all of that. But um, for now, you can go follow the campaign. The cover that's on the pre-launch image is not going to be the final cover. It's just a stand-in. So if you're wondering about that. Um, more details to come, but I will drop the link in the show notes. So please go and check that out. Uh, the other thing is that I have added some short stories into my um, VIP library. So if you are on my mailing list, uh, which you can join by visiting katesharonsweat.com, then you will be able to read those stories. And one of them, it's so the, the most recent one is called Technically Lucky, and it is about a character who shows up later. And I won't spoil it by telling you in case you don't want to know. Um, so those are just the two things I wanted to let you know, and especially if you're one of my subscribers so that you don't miss that story that went out a couple of weeks ago. There's been a lot of news lately, so just wanted to let you know. So here's the commentary. <laughs> so here's how I approach this. Um, I will sit down and I stand here, actually, and read the chapters and record them. And because this book came out a year ago, April 2022 was when it first came out, um, it's really... 
it gives me a refresher on what happened in these chapters and it's really fun to look back and see what the characters are like. I'm currently working on book five. Um, so I'm like, is it five? Yes. Battle Fringe <laughs> is about to be done. And so, you know, it's fun to see how far the characters have come. Um, and today I was thinking a lot about banter. Uh, any scene with banter, it's a scene that I'm super excited to write. I often have a skeleton of some of the conversations between the characters before I've even outlined the entire book. I will have notes on my phone, in my, you know, portable notebook, in my series notebook. They'll be, I have to, you know, bring them all together. Um, but that's one of the first thing that will occur to me about a scene is what the characters are saying to each other. And I know that we love banter as readers. I know that doesn't apply to everyone, but I'm kind of assuming that if you've made it this far, you at least don't object to banter. Um, and as I was reading today, I was kind of thinking, like, why is that? Why do we love it so much? And I, I think that, like, for me personally, I like to write characters who grow together or sometimes apart and sometimes apart and back together. And dialogue is one of the ways that kind of shows them doing that. Um, I mean, I like the humor. I, it's funny. I like wry characters. But I also, like, I like to see how the characters are going to respond to one another when they speak to each other in this way. Um, I, like... Logger's relationship with Garrett, Gareth specifically was very fun to explore in this book. Um, by the time I wrote Chaos Zone, I had already shifted the dynamics a bit between Sloane and her crew um, because they show up together in the superhero books and all of that. But Gareth and Logger are a new combination here. Um, and Logger is really the only person who challenges him in certain aspects of his life, um, if that wasn't evident from that scene. Um, it does change somewhat going forward, of course, as you will see, but his relationship with so the other soldiers on the fleet does kind of evolve, as well as his relationship with other characters in the book. Um, so I also really love writing complicated banter scenes where the whole crew is together in one room, or people are having parallel conversations, or bro is chiming in with, like, completely off-topic things, and that's why this, the scene with Sloane and Hilda and Bro was also fun to write, and then you get the added in voices of the Fox Clan and the Olten Moon Guards and all of that. So I'm really talking with my hands if you're watching the video, so I can tell that I'm excited. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the banter. I hope you'll come back for more banter next week, and um, have a great week, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's reading. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. For more information about my books and to join my VIP reader crew, visit katesheeransweb.com.